Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Trendsetters podcast episode. Today, I'm joined by Alexis Gillette, a marketing leader with an emphasis on driving change. And we're going to be exploring exactly what that means and exactly how to implement that into your organizations. Alexis, it is a pleasure to have you on this morning. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Perfect. So the first question I have for you, you know, you mentioned you're all about delivering change in the organizations you represent. But before we dive into how we drive that change, why is it that companies and organizations struggle with change so often? You know, change is means different things to different people. And it can be everything from a deviation to what was. It can mean progress for the future. It can be an evolution of where you've been and growing together. Uh, and it can, for some people, just mean that something's different than it was the day before. And change is difficult for people and difficult for organizations, like you said. And you know, being able to be someone who can champion change, deliver change effectively, and successfully create impact on a business um, or your personal life is a skill that I think is learned over time. Not everybody handles it well, not everybody manages it well. And so there's a couple of things I think that I can share today from my experience that have led to success. I've been really fortunate to work for a number of growing businesses, changing businesses. And so leading those organizations through change, not just from a process standpoint, but also culturally are things I'm really proud of from my past. That's incredible. And, you know, a common notion that, that we hear, especially a lot of the listeners that would consider themselves, quote unquote, trendsetters, right, is the, this, this idea of this is how we've always done things. And that kind of as a reason or resistance towards change. And I think we can understand that. But from your perspective, how do you best kind of overcome that objection or kind of fuel a conversation towards something a little differently? Man, if I had a quarter for every time I heard someone say, this is what, the way we've always done it, I would have a lot of money. Yeah. You know, I like to unpack that usually. Again, whether it's personally or organizationally, I think there's a lot that's usually combined into that statement. So for me, it's about understanding what's underneath it. I think when you can start to pick apart why something has always been done a certain way, people start to be able to inherently develop their own understanding of what works and what doesn't about it without you even having to guide them in that journey. So I typically start with, that's great that that's how you've always done it. Help me understand why. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a process component that they do it a certain way because it delivers a certain outcome. Or my favorite is this is how I was taught to do it by the person that did it before me. And I haven't changed anything about it. That's okay too. Or we do it this way because it, you know, delivers this particular impact on the rest of the business or in the rest of my life. And so it's sort of a domino effect. Mm -hmm. And I think when people start to unpack their own why, they recognize what is and what isn't working. They themselves can self-select into, I've thought about this. This might be something we could do different, but some people are afraid 
to drive change. And so starting to help be an igniter to that uh, is a role I've played in organizations and starting to understand how things work within that organization or what are the contributing factors, start to make things a little more clear for them and for you to figure out solutions that work, that will drive the intended change, um, maximize processes, maximize efficiencies, and deliver ultimately what you're looking for. So the reality is, even if there's a reason, good ones, and results, by the way, from how something's always been done, I personally am a champion for being in a continuous state of improvement. Mm -hmm. And I think with the way technology is and the way people just are inherently, there's so much opportunity for growth. And that's really how I define change for growth uh, in a constant and continuous way, even if it's just a little bit better than it was the day before. Mm-hmm. I can give you a, a personal example of that. I I work out every day. I have found a huge passion in running. And I have a goal to run a mile in less than six minutes. And every quarter, I do what's called a benchmark at my gym. And we test that. And every quarter, I have been able to make strategic small shifts in my approach to continually get faster and faster. And I think that's a great example of what I'm talking about and something that can be considered in any organization is what's something small I can do that's maybe not so scary that helps me get a little bit better than I was the day before. Mm-hmm. That in the smallest sense has changed, but changed in the, for the sake of growth and for the sake of efficiency and simply just getting better. Yeah. And I think in marketing in particular, it's so vital that we are adapted to change because it's hard to argue, you know, outside of maybe the technological realm that that any department within an organization has to change more than marketing. There's always some new platform, new consumer behavior, new consumer mindset. I mean, 2020 is kind of a tell all to this that that was changing for pretty much everyone with it within, you know, depending on the category. Uh, but I think marketing in particular is always one that has to be the most kind of adaptable. Absolutely. And as you said, COVID and 2020 was a time that tested all of that. Mm-hmm. I was with Raising Cane's at the time. Raising Cane's is a chicken finger restaurant brand. Oh, yeah. And this is a brand that I was brought to to help with digital transformation. And what's interesting about COVID and the consumer mindset throughout 2020 is how something that seems so obvious and inherent a need as a digital presence was actually to some extent challenged by this brand. And so work that we were road mapping and strategizing around online ordering and third-party delivery, app-based technologies, payment solutions, all of those things were, were tested and tried in a business model that didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And so apparently you would think, well, we're going to be behind. But what was fascinating about last year, 2020, was that there was so much consumer confidence weaning around brands and Raising Canes was able to maintain a really strong customer base because of the trust that their consumers had, trust that they were gaining from new customers. 
and something like an quote obvious need for digital transformation actually became a lot less important to them as an organization. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about change, we were on a journey to deliver a digital strategy, a digital experience roadmap, and start driving towards raising canes of the future, if you will, Mm -hmm. ultimately turned out to be a buckle down kind of year double down on our drive-through business when many businesses didn't have that opportunity and really focus on quality and focus on the basics of the business. And so that really takes a lot of shifting and a lot of momentum movement in almost a completely different direction. And so being able to, again, as we talked about, deviation, progress, and evolution, those are components change. And so this was about how can we shift our thinking and how do we manage that organizationally to make sure that everyone understands this new direction, which is actually the old direction, and make sure not everyone gets whiplash. Yeah, that's certainly an interesting approach. And whenever we're thinking about driving drastic change, we know kind of what that requires. And it certainly requires a team effort. And I know in your experience leading teams and, and working, collaborating to drive, drive change with those teams, there, there are certain kind of key elements and characteristics that you kind of need everyone on the, on, on, on the ship to, to be kind of on board with, right? So, you know, from your perspective in working with and, and managing and leading teams, what would you say you value most in certain team members, whether that's characteristics, skill sets, mindsets? you know, you name it. Uh, is there something that, that stands out to you that you value most? Yeah, I think the, the one core competency I place a lot of value in, in the team members is the ability to manage ambiguity. And the reason for that is when you can successfully navigate your way through uncharted waters without a ton of direction, there is inherent other qualities that come with that. It means you can be more autonomous. It means you are more available and open to risk. You are able to communicate and share progress along the way successfully because you are trying to take these bite-sized moments and and move them forward because you kind of, you know, I always equate it to when you're dipping your toe in the pool to see if it's warm enough. And as you dip further in, you get warmer and warmer. And that's really how you can navigate best. You know, when I manage change, which really at this point in my career is every single project, every single day, you know, there's three sort of layers of it that I work with the team. And so when the team is able to manage ambiguity, while these things become much easier to manage and foster. So the first thing, and this will be of no surprise, the first component of managing change is communication. That's both talking and listening. Something that I work on every single day, uh, even as a professional communicator. Uh, I heard a saying that I really try to live to, and it's that we have two ears and one mouth. You should use them in that ratio. And I have this little trick that I even do. This isn't about driving change, but this is a good little communication tip that I like to share. Sometimes if I feel like talking or think I have something to say and I know I need to listen, I put my hand over my mouth. That's a hot tip 
coming in hot with that tip right yes. there. Um, so communication is so key. Often communicate early, communicate throughout the process. It's two ways. Ask probing questions, understand where things are, understand where there's hesitancy, and start to try to unpack those feelings, unpack those risks, and make sure everyone is clear around your established vision and directionally everyone's moving in the right place, in the right way. The second piece to delivering change successfully is in your approach. And just like I mentioned around the pool analogy, small steps, quick and easy are the most important. So bite-sized pieces of change are much more easier to swallow than big wholesale drastic dramatic changes. So I talked earlier about the importance of uh, or rather my personal philosophy around making small improvements every single day, being in a constant state of improvement. So when you approach change organizationally or even personally in your life, being able to just make one small thing makes it seem easier, makes it seem more palatable than trying to completely change something. This yeah. is why people, this is how they start habits. Yeah. which create routines. And these are things that everyone can get rallied behind because it starts to create a wave organizationally. The third success factor, I think, in delivering change is around relationships, mm-hmm. which to some extent is a function of communication. But I think what I'm speaking to is really around building trust. People want to follow people who they trust, who they like, who they believe in. Uh, and something that I personally value is fun. Yeah. Well, change is hard. Change can be difficult on its best day. And making things fun, getting people excited, communicating to them around the little bite-sized pieces that you're going to do each day, sharing that vision with them, holding hands with them on that journey, builds a camaraderie and relationships that should not be undervalued or underrepresented because when you need a favor or when you have a tough deadline to reach or something in change goes wrong because that is inevitable, you need those people around you to be your champion, to be your guide, to be a sounding board, and to help you navigate what do you do next. Yeah, that's incredible insight. And and I love the the final one on, on the note of fun, because I think that's something that even us as an agency, we, we've started positioning ourselves where, hey, we're not going to chase revenue and we're only going to take on a project if it aligns with obviously our core value prop. But more importantly, if people are actually going to have fun with it, which at the end of the day, the people are the ones doing the work, getting the things done. And if they're having fun with it, it's going to create a better result at the end of the day. So I think that that's incredible insight. And fun should be, by the way, with a capital F. A capital F? Got it. <laughs> so what, what would that constitute then? So my life's motto, my personal life's motto is make it fun with a capital F. And for me, that's about approaching every situation with the biggest smile, the freshest, most positive attitude, and finding ways to make it happen. Mm. I got a really great reputation early on that if you wanted something done, 
you call Alexis. And I'm really proud of that because I can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. And what that said to me was, you have the ability, Alexis, to impact people, to bring them with you, and to excite them around a shared cause. Change is inevitable. It happens in your personal life. It happens in your business life. It's how you manage the change that's the most important. And so one of the things that I do, especially in a tougher situation, is I take a beat and I say, hey, I need five minutes or let me get back to you on that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just need a minute to process a change in information, a change in direction, something as simple in my personal life as who's picking up my children from school. Change is everywhere. So how do you approach it? How do you manage it? And how do you make everyone else around you in in moments of change and stress believe that you've got it all covered? Because the calmer that you are in those moments, the more excitable you are and positive and smiling, it really does make a difference especially with those around you. And so I try to lead with fun and positivity and opportunity, right? So helping people understand what it could be, why not consider something else? Because if you try things and you fail fast, you can move on to the next thing really quickly. And I think it starts to get people excited with you yeah Uh, it's hard not to smile at someone who's smiling at you yeah Uh, for me it's really just about being genuine to who i am and there's a lot to be happy about and excited about and so i just try to bring that into every aspect of my life from the moment i wake up until i go to sleep at night yeah and that's so great to hear because i think uh organizations as we now start to employ younger generations we see kind of what they care about First, it was kind of millennials. Now you have Gen Z entering the workforce. We see this kind of need and desire for purpose and for compassion and a lot of these other attributes. And I think the days of maybe fear-based and accountability-based you know, employment are, are a little bit over. Now it's about empowerment and opportunity. And, and I think it's good to kind of see things trending in that direction. Now, one of the things most recently with, with the last firm you were with, Raising Canes, and, and you mentioned to... Uh, mentioned this a little bit prior, I know they jumped into the TikTok scene and working with influencers. Uh, one, Jackson Mahomes, our, our, our boy, the younger brother of Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Um, so it's awesome to see that. And I know that's kind of a trend that's, that's I don't want to say jumped out of nowhere, but certainly new. You know, we probably started 2020 with maybe 10 well-known brands on the platform. And now we're starting to get a lot more uh, but from your perspective, is there any marketing or brand or consumer kind of insight or anything that's trending that you see taking place? And if so, I'd love for you to kind of detail what that is and where you think it might be going. Absolutely. And I love that you picked on the entry of Raising Canes onto TikTok. That's a great example of an organization that had been doing social media the same way for a long time and mm-hmm. really getting ourselves into a new space, a completely new audience sector, an approach to social that was very different. And then the community engagement side 
took a lot of discussion internally about how we do it and do it differently. And my favorite question, which I'd like to ask is, what's the worst thing that could happen? I think when people can articulate clearly what they're so afraid of and the worst thing that can happen, it helps desensitize you a little bit around really what that might be. Because the reality is that there's a lot that can happen and go wrong. But if managed well, and the right things are in place, it's just not all that scary. So that gave us a great opportunity to grow in that platform. Uh, and the brand had had a lot of success and continues to have great success on that platform. Going back to your question about trends, I've coined these with some help from some really smart friends, one of which I like to call rapid communication. We live in a world now that has text messaging, not just SMS from brands, but now you have community and the ability and what seems like this one-to-one -one very personal texting relationship. Apps have notifications built in and messaging streams. You can pick up the phone and call, uh, which seems a little foreign sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> the answers of everything is at your fingertips. And so not only the expectation, but the approach of how we talk to each other, how we talk to brands, how we're available, how we work with each other mm -hmm. in these remote environments and this constant availability, the fact that the boundaries of your life are very blurred or non-existent, make that a really key piece of the puzzle and a key insight into how you engage with your customers. Because marketing fundamentally is you need to talk to the right people, at the right time so they can make the right buying decision. And rapid communication is something that if you are not engaging in that way, delivering that correctly, customers will go somewhere else. They simply don't have the attention span otherwise. So it's super important that not only from a timing perspective, but that it's also highly personalized and relevant. So as much as you know, the big bad computer man and AI are scary to some people. I think we all also appreciate and to some extent take for granted the conveniences that this has offered our lives. So if brands are not taking advantage of the technologies around this space or managing their brand in such a way, there's huge white space for them to create a brand presence there and potentially own that space with customers. A trend I see coming to the forefront is this term I've coined social vesting, which is really what I'm referring to as the act of making an investment of money, time, care, or other resources to causes, programs, businesses, beliefs that other people like you are investing into. So you think about platforms like SoFi and Kickstarter is a great example and not a new one, by the way, that give you an opportunity to put your time and energy and money and business where you want to because you feel a part of something bigger. This isn't new per se, but what I would say is that I'm seeing more and more of it in how businesses are coming to market, how businesses are growing, 
and how businesses are adapting and changing to the landscape. Because these generations that are now becoming the key consumers for, for a variety of businesses, the social component is job number one. Are we taking care of people? Are we helping people? Are we doing things that I can feel proud of too? And so this idea of this community, because also don't forget, these businesses are advertising. The AI on social media is also increasing the visibility to people like you, like me. And so it's this, honestly, it's this circle of constant kind of generation of potential business and beliefs, which could be a little dangerous, right? But to some extent, and for growing businesses, there's huge opportunity to leverage everything from those algorithms and that, you know, that AI all the way to, you know, influencers, which have exploded, um, especially with COVID and stay at home. So I think that that's something that Tom's shoes really kind of kick-started for everybody. Um, they certainly weren't the first to do, you know, more cause-based things. But they set up a model that when paired with technology really started to bring other businesses into the fold that maybe even just a handful of years ago wouldn't have been all that relevant. Yeah, I think that's incredible insight. And I think overall, change is ultimately inevitable and it's ultimately our job to spot that change and then uh, start working towards it. And so Alexis, this was truly an incredible episode. Thank you so much for joining today. And for all the listeners out there, if you have any questions on any of the topics covered today, please let me know on social and I'll be sure to answer those.